Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and I'm just so glad you're here. This podcast is designed to dig below the surface. We're going to talk about everything from life to love and pretty much everything in between. So go ahead and leave that Superman cape of having it all together at the door because life is freaking messy. Don't I know it. Now, not only are we going to be real, we're going to have some fun too, because Lord knows I will find any excuse to bring up Beyonce or the latest episode of The Bachelorette. So if you're a new friend, welcome. Make sure you're subscribed to the Refined Collective podcast on iTunes. And if you're an old friend, welcome back. And would you do me a quick favor? Hop on over to iTunes, leave us a five-star rating and written review. I would be so grateful. Finally, if something stands out to you in this episode, go on and slide into my DMs on Instagram. I love hearing from you. It's at The Refined Woman. Now let's go ahead and get to it. Welcome to The Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and special shout out and thank you to Newsstand Studio here at Rock Center for hosting my podcast today. Happy December. I mean, there's moments... Lately, where I feel like this year has gone by so fast, I can't believe it's the holidays. And then the other day, I literally had this conversation with a girl and said, yeah, we met at that event. It was either in February or seven years ago. (laughs) So I feel like 2020 has been this time warp of a year of it kind of feels like it went by really fast. And the other part of me thinks that I have aged 30 years in less than 12 months. So happy December. If you're listening to it, you're alive. You have breath in your lungs. We've made it another day. Congratulations. And this is the final episode of the year. I feel, oh gosh, I always feel... I don't know, emotional, definitely reflective towards the end of the year. This is two and a half years in of the Refined Collective podcast. And so I always I always try to think back over the year of podcasting. It's been definitely an interesting year. We just finished up the That's What He Said series. And our final episode was with Church of the City, New York, Pastor John Tyson, who just so happens to also be my pastor here in New York. And he and I had a conversation about how to develop a healthy biblical sexual ethic. So if you didn't listen to that, give it a listen. Oh, my gosh. It's just jam-packed with incredible resources about how to navigate relationships, singleness, sexuality, our sexual narratives in today's culture. I really loved this series, and I think if you listen to it, you already know this, it actually was a series that went live a couple years ago, and I needed a little bit of a break this fall because... um, Hello, 2020, need I say anything else? So we relaunched this series of conversations I had with guys a couple years ago, eight conversations from Jamal Miller to Jeff Johnson to Jared Nickerson and Pastor John Tyson, Pastor Tim Timberlake, a bunch of incredible guys. So if you didn't listen to them, definitely listen to them over the holidays because you guys are asking me all the time, like, what does a guy think about this? And does he know if I like him? And how do I know if we're dating? And I can give you my opinion, or we could also just talk to dudes. So that's what he said series. If you haven't listened to it, 
give it a listen. Now, at the beginning of the year, I started something really fun. Actually, it has been going on since the podcast, but I haven't really promoted it um, a bunch until this year. And that's our Patreon community. So Patreon, you hear me talking about it all the time in the podcast. It's an online platform where people can financially support the podcast that they love. And at the beginning of the year, we were at I think it was between 30 and $40 a month. So basically you can pledge anywhere between $5 and a million dollars. If you want to support their Fine Collective podcast for a million dollars a month, I will personally (laughs) give you a physical hug with a mask, of course. And now, so we started at $40 a month, end of year, we're at $495. I could not be more grateful for you. The the friends and community who have taken time and literally money out of your pockets to make the Refined Collective something that can be more sustainable. The reality is that running a podcast, it ain't cheap, y'all. It costs me about $1,200 out of my pocket every month, not to mention the time and research that goes into making all the episodes possible. So it would be a dream of mine if in 2021, we could get all the way to that $1,200 goal to totally cover the costs. But before end of the year, my goal is 600. So if you have enough money in your budget for $5 a month, go ahead and go to patreon.com slash the refined collective. I would love for you to join the Patreon community. We have some special VIP exclusive offers and, you know, freebies and downloadables that we offer exclusively to the refined collective Patreon community. So consider this my formal invitation to link arms with us and making this podcast a reality. All right. Now, onto the podcast. I have been thinking about this particular episode for months now because 2020 has changed things for a lot of people. It's changed things globally. It's changed things collectively. It's changed things in our country. It's changed things personally. And so what I really want to hone in on in this episode is how 2020 has changed dating forever. And let's just do a little memory lane of this year, right? Remember in January and February when we were like, man, by 2019, you sucked. We're ready for a new year, new year, new me. And then we had, you know, oh, maybe this, maybe we're going to be out of work for a couple weeks. And so everyone started watching Tiger King. And I joined the other millions of millennials who started using TikTok. And my life became about learning the new I'm a savage dance. And then I went into the whole whipped coffee craze. I definitely didn't get into making the sourdough bread because I'm mostly gluten-free. And then, you know, everyone is settling into quarantine. And then the Black Lives Matter movement really explodes on the heels of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and many, many other unfortunate and unjust deaths that happened this year. Not to mention the freaking political climate we've gone into in this year, election year. And finally... (laughs) Did you ever think we would be wearing masks on a everyday regular basis? Like now when I go in public and I don't have my mask on, I feel naked. I'm like, oh my gosh, I might as well be walking around like Winnie the Pooh with a shirt and no pants on. What is happening? I need my mask. So 2020, very, very weird year. 
I think as far as dating goes, there's nine things that I think of personally that have forever changed for me when it comes to dating and being the list maker that I am. It pains me that I could not come up with a tenth, a tenth thing to put on this list, but I started feeling like I was forcing it and was like, okay, I have nine things. Okay, we're just going to be fine with nine. So if you're a list person like me, we're just going to round up and pretend like it's 10 when it's really nine. Okay, starting off with the list. Then I think the number one thing that has changed in dating for 2020 and how it's forever changed is the socially distanced date. Now, before this year, would you have ever considered having a FaceTime date with a complete stranger? I mean... I would not. I get it if you're a long distance or you both already know each other or have been friends and can't meet in person, but never did I ever think that both Hinge and Bumble, two of my favorite dating apps, would be actively telling its users to have a video call or a Zoom call or a FaceTime before meeting in person. And now more than ever, FaceTime dates, socially distanced dates, I mean, they're here. They're here for the foreseeable future. We can resist that or we can embrace it. Now, for me, to be honest, FaceTime dates haven't really worked well for me thus far. I had two scheduled in quarantine and Honestly, both of the guys flaked. It was so weird. We were talking online, talking online. I didn't even initiate the FaceTime date suggestion. Both of these guys did. When it came to it, both of the guys flaked. And which honestly, if you can't make a 15 to 20 minute phone call and or have the time or decency to say you can't make said phone call, I'm like, you probably, you know, probably isn't a person I want to date in real life. So that definitely gave me clarity. And I think clarity is key in dating. And so much of what we're trying to do is figure out, is this person someone that I enjoy being with? Is this person someone that I can trust? And if you're going to flake out on a FaceTime date, I'm not here for it. However, I don't want you to think that FaceTime dates are all bad because they're not. So before you dismiss them, I have a friend in New York City who met a guy online right before quarantine, like right at end of February. They had some FaceTime dates, then a few socially distance dates. I'm talking six feet apart with masks, walks outside, and guess what? Eight months later, they're married. I mean, it happens. At this point, I have four friends that have met and got engaged. One of them has gotten married in quarantine. I just shot a maternity session earlier this week of a couple who got pregnant in quarantine. I mean, dating looks different this year, but it's not all bad. Here's what I really think is awesome about the FaceTime and socially distanced dates socially distanced dates. Say that 10 times fast. <laughs> That's like a tongue twister. This really, I think, allows you to take things slowly, especially with the physical. I mean, I'm definitely a physical person. I love physical touch. I love kissing. I love all the things. But literally when you are trying to practice physical distance from someone, it makes you get to know them. 
and see, hey, is there a friendship outside of the physical? Are our values in alignment? So for that reason, I'm sort of here for the socially distanced dating. And I kind of hope that when and if the apocalypse is over, that we can kind of keep some of these principles of, yeah, let's Let's have a phone call before we meet up. Let's see if we can even hold a conversation. And maybe we hold back on the physical for a while as we get to know each other. All right. Number two. This is definitely going to ruffle some feathers and put some panties in a wad. But I have to be honest about this because I think this is one of the biggest things that has changed for me personally in 2020. Never did I ever think someone's political views would be a deal breaker for me when it came to dating. Now, (laughs) I'm just going to let that simmer. I'm going to say it again. Never did I ever think someone's political views would be a deal breaker for me in dating. I've never really been a huge political person. I haven't watched all of the primaries. I can't tell you the 50 policies or even 10 policies or maybe even five policies of each candidate. And and in that, over the last few years, things have really changed for me and I've tried to get better and I, I, I've just tried to learn more. And I felt... I know that I live in New York City and I know that New York can be its bubble of its own kind. And so when Trump got elected in 2016, I was at church with my pastors and friends and leaders and community and everyone sobbed and wept and could not believe that Trump became president. Now, I know that all in uh, in different parts of the U.S., there are probably very similar People hanging out, pastors, leaders, friends, whatever, and ecstatic about the news. For me, what I've realized about myself and Trump, and full disclosure, we are recording this podcast a week. It's about a week and a half before the election. So who knows (laughs) where we'll be December uh, when this episode goes live. But here's where I'm at now. Trump is a person that I think is dangerous. I believe that how he lives his life is out of alignment with how I choose to live my life, how the things I believe about who God is, how we should treat people. And um, there's things that I just will never be able to get on board with about who this person is. I honestly don't believe that Trump could get hired at McDonald's if he applied because of the amount of sexual allegations he has against him. He has recorded at this time at least 26 sexual allegations that he has never had any accountability for. He is currently holding immigrants at the border in refrigerated rooms, which is a form of warfare and torture. Women under his leadership are currently being given forced hysterectomies against their will. In a recent debate, um, Trump had the opportunity multiple times to acknowledge racism and white supremacy in our country, and he didn't and wouldn't. He has called people of color and immigrants animals who can't read and said publicly multiple times that his daughter is so hot that if they weren't related, he'd date her. Now, this is a person I wouldn't 
feel safe being in a 10 mile radius of, let alone being in the same room with, let alone him being the most powerful man in America. It scares me. And it also threatens the lives of millions of black people, people of color, indigenous people, oppressed people in our country. So if I meet a man who thinks Trump's the hottest thing or the coolest thing since sliced bread, if if he is like, well, I'm able to separate his policy from his personal character, then to be frank, our values are out of alignment. And what is important to us doesn't match up because I don't believe that you can separate character from policy. I believe that how we show up for one thing is how we show up for everything. So if I don't have integrity in my marriage, I don't have integrity in my life. (laughs) If I am racist behind closed doors, I am racist. And that's going to impact, that's going to impact how I make policy. That's going to impact how I vote. And so this has been, I know that this year has been a year where it kind of seems like more people who maybe were more moderate with their beliefs or with their politics are on a more polarized side of things towards the end of the year. And I want you to hear that if 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 you if you like Trump, if you voted for Trump, I'm not saying that I hate you or I would never want to be in the same room with you. I I do stand by what I have said multiple and many times like I believe that the best way to do life with people is to be around people that are different than us. So I want to hear you. I want to have conversations. I want to learn. I want to have a growth mindset. However, that doesn't mean that I have to date or marry that person. So for me, that this is probably the biggest way that 2020 has forever changed me in dating is that someone's political viewpoints do matter to me. I would love to hear what you think of that because um, I know I know that I have ruffled some feathers in saying what I just said. Now, next, this is more a personal thing that has happened in my life in the last year. I maybe it happened for you as well, but 2020 changed dating forever for me in the the reality of me learning to trust my gut in a different way. Now, most of my life, I was taught through many different avenues not to trust myself, not to trust my body, not to trust my intuition or my gut, whatever you want to call it. In my family, I was told I was being dramatic or judgmental. I played tennis my whole life and had a very aggressive lower back problems, but was told by my trainers in college, oh, your back doesn't hurt. (laughs) Here, just take this Advil. Actually, no, your body, we just need to get you playable. So I learned another message. Oh, pain, uh, pain isn't right. I should just ignore that. So let me ignore my body, ignore what my body is telling me. And then I learned a message from the church and from Christian culture that the heart is deceitful above all things. So all these different areas I'm learning, oh, well, I'm feeling, gosh, I'm feeling that this person in my family is lying to me. Well, I must just be being dramatic. Oh, well, I'm being told by people who are supposed to be helping me be the most healthy version of myself in my athletics that my body actually is not telling the truth. So when I'm hurt, I must not really be hurt. And then from the church, I'm being told that 
the heart is deceitful above all things. And so we can't really trust our emotions if our emotions are sinful. And what I've come to just believe so wholeheartedly this year is I do have discernment and my body is good and my, my intuition is speaking to me and I have the permission to trust it. So I feel awake in a whole different way and a whole different level of you. No one gets to tell me if my body and my emotions and my gut is wrong. That doesn't mean that I'm like, I will never listen to wisdom or discernment or the advice of other people. I'm just saying that I'm coming into trusting myself in a way and being embodied with my whole self. And it has been so empowering. Here's a little theology background on that. Genesis 1, 26 through 31 is the account of God breathing humanity into existence. The scriptures say, let us make humanity, man and woman in our image and our likeness. So the creation of humanity is a reflection of the God image. And then after God creates humanity, whereas everything else in the creation story is good, the creation of humanity is very good. We see in Ephesians 2.10, Paul teaching that we humans are God's workmanship. That Greek word there is poema. We are literally the poetry of God. We are the creativity of God manifest in this world. Scripture also says, uh, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. It all, scripture also says that the bodies are the temple, the dwelling place of God. Now, if we take all of these things into consideration— Here's the message I see from scripture. The starting point of humanity is not that we are pieces of crap and that our hearts are deceitful above all things. The starting point is that our bodies are good. We are good. Our minds are good. And God doesn't make bad things. God speaks to people collectively and individually. And I can trust when my body is speaking to me because I can and do hear from God. So when I look back on my life from my family to sports to dating, I really this year took inventory. Okay, those moments where I was told I was being dramatic, was I being dramatic in sports? Was I wrong about my body? Well, no, actually I'm 35 years old and I still wake up every morning and have pretty intense back pain and a huge reason why I'm very physically active and work out a lot is because I'm constantly working to keep my body at a level where it's pain-free. So no, I was right. My body was in pain. And actually in those family dynamics, when I was told I was being dramatic, I was spot on. And then when I look at dating, I realize, man, that when that relationship didn't work out five dates in, if I look back to how I felt on that very first date, my body knew that and it had discernment, but I felt like, oh no, I need to give this person a shot. Like, don't be judgmental. And when I look at my own track record, I have been right way more than I've been wrong. And for me, it is time I start trusting myself, trusting my body, trusting that my body isn't bad, 
My body is good and my body is speaking to me. And guess what? Our bodies are constantly speaking to us. I believe that God is speaking to us through our bodies. If we just have the courage to pause, get to know ourselves, get to know the rhythm of how God speaks to us, and then try it out and test it out and strengthen that muscle of trust in ourselves and in our own, in our own intuition and discernment. So what does this mean in dating? Since I actively teach a three-date rule, if there are no real big red flags in dating, like you said, let's say you go on a first date and, you know, then maybe like there's nothing that's a red flag, but maybe you're just not feeling it. I say, you know what? If you're in alignment on faith values, there's nothing really deal breaker. Like he's not he hasn't admitted to you that he kills people for fun or he makes pornos on the side. <laughs> give it, I say give it three dates because it takes time to really get to know a person. You know, God forbid someone's nervous or you had a bad day at work before the date. So this is something that I'm still honestly trying to figure out in my own life. Like the balance of I want to be gracious and open. And if there are really no big, if there are like no red flags, I do want to give a person just a chance. Like let's get to know someone and not put so much pressure on that first date. And I want to practice trusting myself more. So it's not either or. It's not like, well, like I had this discernment on the first date. I'm never talking to that person again. It's a both and a, okay, I went on this date and maybe I'm sensing this thing and I want to take that into account, into consideration. If there are really no red flags, let me proceed with caution and get to know the person on the next date. Now, I will tell you this. I would have saved myself so much drama and heartache in my life, if, especially in dating, if I had been listening to myself from early on in dating relationships. For example, I dated a guy in my 20s, off and on for several years, and it was tumultuous. And when it finally ended, I was reflecting back on the very first date. On the very first date, First of all, he was two hours late. He made me come to him. He didn't pay for my meal, which, you know, some people are okay with that. Some people are not. Uh, I like when guys pay for the dates on the, like to pay for the first date at least. And on our first date, he told me point blank, I don't want to be in a relationship right now. I got divorced recently. I'm going through a really hard time. And I took that instead of being red flags and listening to my gut, I thought, oh, he's being vulnerable. Let me just give it some time. He just, you know, he just needs to see how great I am. So that's an example of, okay, this person was telling me something and I didn't listen to my gut and I thought, oh, maybe I can change him, fix him. Maybe he'll fix change for me. And I would have saved myself so much pain and heartbreak if I had trusted my gut. Which leads me to the next point that I have, and it is this. Being Christian isn't enough. Now, when I was in my early 20s and you would have asked me, 
what are you looking for, Kat, in a spouse? I would have said, the, basically, the only thing I care about is, do you love God? Are you a Christian? And that still really matters to me. It's just that it's not the only thing. The guy I dated off and on for several years was totally a Christian. He volunteered at church. He was a leader. This guy could not get his act together with me. He cheated on me multiple times. <laughs> Just because a person shares your faith doesn't mean that you need to date them. It doesn't mean that they are a good person. It doesn't mean that they have integrity. It just means that they share your faith. So be willing to look deeper into who a person is outside of, do they check this box of sharing my faith values or worldview? For example, in January, I met a guy and we started dating. It was long distance. So we were having those FaceTime dates and we're getting to know each other. He seems like a great guy. He's this Christian dude, seems, you know, humble. We would have these conversations of me saying, oh, this thing is important to me. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, me too, me too. And it was just one of those, oh, this is cool. Like, I think we get along in a lot of these other areas. But multiple times I brought up that, oh, in the last few years, I've kind of become awakened to my white privilege And it's something that really matters to me. It's something that I want to learn more about. I want to be listening to my friends who are black or people of color and listen to their experience. I am constantly reading books, trying to learn about the real history of our nation and our country. And so I made it really clear multiple times you know, racial reconciliation, uh, race dialogue in our country really matters to me. And every time I brought it up, it was like, oh, that's cool. Good for you. And I like there wasn't really, oh, that's something that matters to me, too. And I wanted to kind of wait until we got in person and have a deeper conversation about that. And we have an in-person date. He flies to New York to visit me on Valentine's weekend, (laughs) no pressure, right? And we're sitting across from each other. I kind of bring this up again, want to see, hey, where, where is he at? Is this something that is important to you? And in the meantime, while we're kind of talking about this, he makes a side comment. It's not I'm not going to go into all the details, but basically what unravels in this conversation is that gay people make him feel uncomfortable. And I sit there and I'm like, okay, um, if you love God, aren't, don't you love people too? (laughs) And how can you really love God yet not support and advocate for people of color, black people, and want to learn about the history of our country and the systemic racism and how we have been a part of oppressing people. I also, like, I, I, it, it couldn't comprehend to me that you could love God and not really like the LGBTQI plus community. And so it came down to it. I just asked him point blank. Are you like, are you interested in race reconciliation in our country? And when you say you're uncomfortable being around a gay person, what does that mean? 
Because sometimes maybe this person, maybe this guy had never been around a gay person, which I find very hard to believe in 2020. When all is said and done, without getting into too much detail, he was not open to learning about race, race reconciliation. And he was not open to the idea of having a healthy relationship with LGBTQ people in his life. And I sat there just kind of in this moment. Well, first of all, the date ended. (laughs) I said, well, thank you for flying out to visit me. Uh, Thank you for this dinner. Happy Valentine's Day. If you don't care about race reconciliation and if you don't if you don't like gay people, we cannot date. And I was going home that night on Valentine's Day thinking this is just definitely not where I thought this date was going to go. Because I was like, man, this guy, you know, on paper seems great. You know, he loves God, says he loves people. And what I didn't realize is that until that moment, you can love God. You can say you love Jesus. You can say you're a Christian. But if those things aren't also a priority to you, then I don't think that we, I know we can't date, but I don't think that we're reading the same Bible. And here's what I want to say about the LGBTQ plus community is the love of God isn't dependent on whether or not you have heterosexual attraction. It just isn't. Okay, I'm not going to get into all the semantics on that conversation right now, but I want to say this is salvation is Jesus alone, solos Christos, grace alone, not Jesus plus anything else. The day that Jesus died on the cross, there is a thief next to him. And Jesus said to the thief, today you will be with me in paradise. It was Jesus wasn't like, well, I don't know, like who have you been sleeping with and who are you attracted to or not attracted to? No, he just said today you will be with me in paradise. So if you don't, if you love God, but don't really love people or only love people who look like you, talk like you, believe like you then you're not a person I'm interested in dating or marrying. We're told that we should pray for our future husbands. It makes sense, right? Dating, finding the right person, those aren't things we want to attempt without God in our corner. The problem is nobody ever teaches us how to pray for our future. If you're anything like me, you've found yourself wondering, what am I supposed to be praying for exactly? Is there a right way to pray for my future marriage? And if so, what is that way? Is there anything else I should specifically be praying for in this season? Are there things I can be praying about now that will help me be ready for marriage when the time comes? If any of these questions are you, I have an incredible resource. It is called the Every Single Moment Prayer Journal by my friend Stephanie May Wilson. The Every Single Moment Journal is a hundred powerful prayers to help you savor the present and prepare for the future. It's filled with easy to follow prayer prompts and this beautiful 100 day guided journal will help you cover your future and your marriage in prayer. But that's just the beginning. Over the course of 100 days, these prayer prompts will help you heal from your past, grow in the present and find joy, peace and purpose in your life right now today. So to grab your copy of Every Single Moment, go to bit.ly slash cat, that's K-A-T, dash single moment. Again, that's bit.ly slash cat dash single moment. 
Use CAT, that's K-A-T, at checkout for 15% off your order of every single moment. Next, this kind of goes in line with the previous one of being a Christian isn't enough. And I kind of gave you threads of it, but growth mindset is so important to me. It is a deal breaker if you do not have a growth mindset, because here's the deal. In January, this guy had an opportunity, right? Um, I get it. You can live in a bubble. And I, when I lived in the South, 15 years ago, I had different views on a lot of things. And it took people in my life being willing to say, hey, this might be a blind spot and me being like, oh, man, I never thought about that, thought about it that way. Tell me more. Or, wow, I was really wrong about that. Oh, my gosh. I think if we stop growing, we we stop evolving as humans. So this guy kind of had an opportunity to lean into growth. So when you are confronted with an area of growth, what is your response? If you are getting to know someone and he's confronted with an opportunity for growth, what is his response? Is it, oh, well, you're wrong. I'm right. Or eh, I don't want to grow, which was this guy's response to me when I point blank asked him, are you willing to grow in this area of your life? His response was no. So it made it very clear. We cannot move forward. It could be a gaslighting response. Well, you bringing this up to me offends me and you're you just are misinterpreting everything I said. So I guess I can't bring this up to you. Or the response could be, you know what? I haven't thought of it that way. And I know that I can have blind spots in my life. I know I don't know everything and I would love to hear more about your perspective. I would love to learn more. So growth mindset for me this year in the midst of everything has become more and more important. It's like, do you love God? Do you love people? Do you have a growth mindset? And within a growth mindset, here are other character qualities that come to the surface. If you have a growth mindset, you have humility. If you have growth mindset, you are willing to admit that you're wrong. And I think both of those things are so important. Growth mindset means I am willing to enter into dialogue. I'm not afraid of conflict. Let's have an honoring, respectful conversation about whatever's coming up. Growth mindset is key. I cannot tell you how important this is in your relationships. All right, next, what 2020 has done to change me and us forever in dating. I want you to show, not tell me. Now in writing, so I've been writing this book this year, Sexless in the City, comes out April 2021. Hello, you can already buy it on Amazon. I can't believe it. But they say something in writing. Instead of telling a point, they say show, don't tell. And I realized this year in dating, so quarantine, I didn't date a lot, but in the last few months, I've been online. I went on six dates in two weeks. I was so proud of myself, y'all. And I got set up with this guy who we went on our first date, and I remember calling my sister after our date, and I said, you know, if this guy is who he says he is, man, I don't know what else I could ask for. He's loves God. He's attractive. He homeboy has a job. He, you know, we have a fun time. We seem to relate on, um, our, like what we believe about God and people and how we want to live our lives. So this guy kind of was saying all the right things or all the things that I wanted to hear. And 
I I said, okay, we're we're just gonna see how this goes. Because someone can say the right things, but not follow up. And I call this type of person and I'm gonna person. I'm gonna call you. I'm gonna lose the 10 pounds. I'm gonna quit smoking. I'm gonna start the business. I'm gonna write the book. I'm gonna. And then they don't do it. So I don't want an I'm gonna person. I don't wanna be an I'm gonna person. I want a person that is who they say they are. So I'm getting to know this guy and we have a great date. He follows up the next day. I'm like, okay, things are looking good. Then I don't hear from him for a week, an entire week. And I thought, well, okay. Uh, He said he liked me. He said he wanted to take me out again. I don't hear from him. Then he calls me up, says, hey, I, I don't want you to think I've dismissed you. I've had work has been crazy. I want you to know that I like you. I want to take you out on a date. I'm interested in pursuing you. What's your schedule like next week? I tell him what my schedule's like next week. And he's like, great, we'll make a plan in a few days. And in my head, I'm like, well, why don't we just make a plan right now? And guess what? I don't hear from him next week. And then Friday afternoon rolls around and he says, so what are you up to this weekend or what what what's your plans this Friday? And first of all, any self-respecting woman, <laughs> if you are texting me or calling me on a Friday afternoon and wanting to ask me on a date for Friday night, no, bucko. Uh-uh. You got to you got to ask me out. You got to ask me out by Wednesday, I think, if I'm going to give you a Friday night. I respond back. I'm kind. I'm not mean. And I say, you know, I my family's in town, you know, I'm we're repainting my condo right now. And what are you up to? He said, Oh, I don't really have any plans today. Don't really have any plans this weekend. And what I would have liked for him to do is say, I would really like to see you this weekend. Or can I help you paint? Or, you know, what are your plans? Like, if you have a break, let's get together. He doesn't say that. So again, let me give this guy benefit of the doubt. So I say, well, if you're interested you can, you're welcome to join us and help paint this weekend. We could totally use the extra hands. And that was the last time I heard from that guy. (laughs) I mean, what the heck? As soon as I ask him to come help me and support me in something, he falls off the face of the earth. So, I mean, honestly, when I look back on that relationship, I see, well, I kind of knew my answer after that first week. He fell off the face. Uh, You know, I gave him the benefit of the doubt, gave him the benefit of the doubt. I gave him three chances. And he could not show me. He could only tell me. I don't have time for someone who's going to say all the right things but not back it up. And it's one thing to say, I like you. I want to be with you. I want to take you out. Let's make plans. But when push comes to shove, this guy's actions were much louder than his words. So when I say that, when I say show, don't tell, here's one thing that you need to know. Time is on your side because this person could have said all these things to me. And just because I may have had a bad experience before my past with someone being an I'm gonna guy doesn't mean that the next person is. So it takes time to get to know someone. So instead of making a a 
an assumption on a person, really get to know someone. My friend, my friend and relationship coach, Carmina Becerra says, time is intimacy. So if you want to be intimate with someone, you need time. So don't just make a, a snap judgment on someone. Well, this person's and I'm gonna. On the other hand, or this is where the both and comes in, listen to what the guy is saying, not just with his actions, but with his words. So yes, show don't tell, but also if a guy is like, I don't like you, I don't want to be with you, like the guy that took me on a first date and was late, told me he didn't want to be in a relationship, I heard vulnerability instead of red flags. Often we can hear what a guy says but not listen to what he says because we just want to we just want to have his words mean what we want them to mean. So just as watch this person's actions, get to know them over time because you don't want an I'm gonna also listen to the actual words they're saying and not just what you hope for them to mean. Take the take a person's word at their word. All right, we have three more points to make. Are you hanging in there with me? I know I am I am just throwing a lot at you right now. These next two, I said these next two things, the next two points on Instagram recently, and they about broke my portion of the internet. Like, I couldn't believe it. It still makes me laugh um, because I was like, I'm not like Kim Kardashian over here showing my butt on a magazine, breaking the internet. I'm giving dating advice. And here is what about broke the internet. This is what I posted on Instagram. I'll link it in the show notes. I said this. The average American has sex one time a week. This is a true fact. That's about 52 times in a year. Let's just say that sex on on a whole takes an hour. My married friends will laugh at that and say it's more like 15 minutes, maybe more like five minutes. Nonetheless, for argument's sake, let's say sex takes an hour, which means in an entire year, the average person has sex for 52 hours. There are 8,760 hours in a year. Who is the person you want to be with for the other 8,708 hours of your year? I'm not saying that sex isn't important or that physical attraction isn't crucial in a relationship. It is. And ultimately, if you don't have attraction towards the person you're with, they're just a friend. I am saying we put way too much emphasis on the physical. Ladies, just because he doesn't have a six pack and just because he may be shorter than you doesn't mean you should write him off. Let's keep the main things the main things. What is his character like? Does he have integrity? Does he have vision for his life? Do you have a shared faith? Do you like hanging out? Are you able to laugh with each other? As awesome as sex is, marriage is more about doing life with a person over the long haul. So let me ask you again, who do you want to be with for the other 8,708 hours of your year? Point number seven. Humor is a non-negotiable in my dating relationships. It's a non-negotiable in my partner. Now, when I posted that that IG post, people freaked out about me saying humor is non-negotiable. And they freaked out when I said, you should be open to dating someone shorter than you. You would have thought that I told girls, you should totally date a serial killer. And they freaked out about the short part. We'll talk about that in a second. First, we're on humor is non-negotiable. Here's the deal. If there's anything we've learned in 2020, it's that life is freaking hard. Life is messy. (laughs) I'm not saying you need a stand-up comedian or a person who's center of attention at a party making everyone laugh. But 
everyday life, crap happens. Shit's going to hit the fan. It's messy. You need someone that is a friend and that you can laugh with, that you find funny, that you guys can have laughter with each other. And here's what I don't want you to hear. I'm not disregarding physical or sexual attraction. I've said it many times. I'll say it again. If you don't want to have sex with your partner, they're just a roommate. (laughs) You need to have physical attraction. Physical attraction is important. However, we say it's not the main thing, but we subconsciously and implicitly act as though it's the main thing. I think that I think a lot of things, but at the very least, I need to be able to laugh with my partner. I think you do too. Humor is non-negotiable. I mean, in quarantine alone, my friends that were married, I shot a maternity session yesterday and they were like, we had nothing to do but stare at each other for like four months. If we didn't have a friendship, we would have had nothing. And yeah, they had a lot more sex than they normally have, but they said what got us through was being able to laugh at life. And to be able to just go through the day-to-day together. So 2020 has taught me more than ever that humor is non-negotiable in a relationship. And on to the next one is that I think that women, we got to drop the double standards. It's 2020. We've gone through a pandemic. On that same post when I said women be open to dating guys shorter than me. I wish I could screenshot all the DMs. I wish. You guys are more upset about me telling you to date a guy shorter than you than you were when I have talked about my thoughts about Trump. And now after this podcast, maybe you're going to be more mad about what I said about Trump than this. However, here's what I've noticed. Girls, You get so offended if a guy doesn't want to date you solely based on something about your looks. How do I know this? Because I hear, this is what I hear from women all the time. Guys, you know, they say they want a Christian girl, but they really just want a supermodel. And, oh, that guy's dating another supermodel. And I know the pain of that. I have been rejected because of whether it's I'm too tall or there wasn't that physical attraction. And that stings. It hurts. It is offensive. But. We are doing the exact same thing. If you are unwilling to get to know a guy because of his height, something that he has no control over, like, how would you, how can you ever judge someone based off something that they have no control over? And we got to drop those double standards. If you have a standard for the men in your life, you better be living that same same standard as well. For example, and then I'll get off my soapbox. Recently, I was watching The Bachelorette. You know, I love The Bachelorette. Claire Crawley, I do love her. But they did strip dodgeball on a recent episode. And honestly, I felt that that was so problematic because A, She just said, this is what we're doing. The guys don't have a chance to say, oh, I consent to this or not. It's either play the game or you get sent home or you don't get time with Claire. And if that would have been reversed, if a a guy was The Bachelor and the girls came out and he said, we're playing strip dodgeball, that guy would have been seen as a player, as someone who just cares about the physical, but a girl does it and it's empowering. 
It's the same thing I felt about Hannah Brown, Hannah B from The Bachelorette from a few seasons ago. She was talking all the time about how much sex she had in that windmill. And based off interviews, Peter did not consent to her sharing that information. And she bragged about it on live national TV in front of him. And I felt like, man, he took like a champ. But if that role was reversed and a male bachelor was up bragging about how many times he had sex with another contestant without her con- without her consent of saying, oh, it's it's fine of you to share that information, that guy would have looked like a pig and that he was only there for the physical. So all I'm saying is, ladies, if we're going to have a standard for the guys in our lives, let's live that same standard. So if you don't want a guy to dismiss you based off something physical that you have no control over, let's offer that same Let's offer that same dignity to the men in our lives. So if you're like, well, I'm sorry, I'm just not, I don't think I'm attracted to guys that are shorter than me or guys with brown hair or guys that have four toes, whatever that may be, love might look differently than you thought for yourself. And attraction can grow. So get to know someone's heart. All right. I feel like I've given you like, eight different TED Talks so far. So if you are with me, thank you for staying. We are on the final ninth thing that I have learned this year and how 2020 has forever changed dating for me. And here's what it is. You know, I came into this year, I'm, I turned 35 in 2020, which I don't know, 30, 35 just seems so much older than 34. (laughs) I don't know why, but I'm officially in my mid thirties. I'm single. I thought, you know, this is my year for love. I believe God has spoken very specific things over me that now is my time. And just these really things that felt specific to my heart. So going into this year, I felt so much anticipation and excitement. Like, God, I'm ready for the blessing. I'm so ready for love. I've done so much therapy. I've done so much work on myself and my heart. I mean, I am just ready to invite that person in. I want to have babies. I'm getting older. And I'm like, okay, if I'm being real honest, not only do I want to have babies, but I was like ready to have them two years ago. And then this year happened. A pandemic happened. I moved home unexpectedly for three months. Dating, as I know, it has changed, not just for me, for a lot of people, because I don't know if you know this, but a pandemic and being quarantined kind of puts a dampener on your dating life. So for me, I think I realized I can do all the quote unquote right things. I can be clear about my vision. I can be healthy. I can invest into my wholeness. I can be ready for love. I can be open to love. I can be doing the online dating. I can be putting myself out there and doing all the things that I coach you guys to do. And then life can happen. So I get to trust and surrender. I've realized in this this year, in this global pandemic, that there are so many things out of 
our control, out of my control. And I knew that before the pandemic, but this has really made it even more clear because I felt like, God, um, excuse me, this is really messing up with my timeline because I was supposed to meet someone in January so that we could have been engaged by the smaller winter, married by next year, and then pregnant within a year of that because then by that time I'll be this age and, you know, my egg quality might be decreased by then. And so I just realized... I have to surrender my agenda and my plan. I can I can put myself out there and I can be the healthiest, holist version of myself, which we always have work to do. And I just have to trust the process and realize I can't control my way into a relationship. I get to surrender. So if there's anything 2020 has taught and changed in me forever when it comes to dating is to trust the process be clear with my vision and what I want and then just surrender it and trust that, you know, I do believe that there's a God that is bigger than my circumstances. There's a God that is bigger than scientific. um, What's the word? Um, Than a diagnosis from a doctor or, oh, I have to have a baby by this age or whatever it is. Like God is bigger than all of that. And it, and Even in a pandemic, people are getting married like crazy. Like I shared earlier, I have so many friends that are in relationships through unlikely circumstances because of quarantine. So I just want to trust that God has my back and that God is for me, that God is for you and to trust and surrender to his process for my life. So now for you. I've given you nine ways that 2020 has forever changed dating for me. I want you to give me the 10th. What's your, what is the number one thing that has changed for you in 2020 in regards to dating? I want you to share it with me on Instagram at the refined woman. How has 2020 changed dating for you? I want you to be the 10th point in this conversation. All right. Happy 2020. Here's to hopefully many, many more conversations. And yeah, let's just get it. Let's finish the rest of this year strong. Here we go. It's the last episode of the year. I just wanted to be short and thank you again from the bottom of my heart for listening to not only this episode, but all my episodes that you may or may not listen to. Thank you. Thank you for every single DM. Thank you for your comments. Thank you for your emails. I feel grateful and humbled that I get to, or that you allow me to be a voice in your life. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this community. I am so grateful and stay tuned for 2021. We have some incredible episodes coming up. For January, we're talking a lot about finances, new year, new finances, who dis? I am sharing how I got out of $30,000 in debt in 2019, and I am having on financial guru, Anthony O'Neill. We also have episodes talking about what is sex and sex ed 101. The sex ed you never got in health class, we're having it on this podcast in 2021. And finally, 2021 is a very special year for me personally. My very first book is coming out with Zondervan. It's called Sexless in the City, a sometimes sassy, sometimes painful, always honest look at dating, desire, and sex. You can buy it now. Pre-order it on Amazon. I can't believe it. It's still, you know, pinch me. 
Go to Amazon, search Sexless in the City. Cat Harris, my book will come up. It's also available for pre-order on Audible. What the heck? If you like hearing my voice in your head for an hour on the podcast, get ready because it'll be in your head for about 20 hours on this book. So I would love if you pre-ordered that. It would mean so very much to me. If you pre-order it, DM me and let me know. I would love to invite you to be a part of my exclusive launch team for the book. More info on that in 2021. All right. Love you. Miss you. Mean it. Sending you virtual hugs. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. See you in 2021.